and shot after shot Whether you like it or not And it takes more than a plot To knock this beat from the top As please I conquer this land With destiny in my hands Cause many may in demand Yo, what's up everybody? It's time for the In Off The Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode four titled One City, One Team, One Goal, because we're going to have on to the show tonight one of the best defensive linemen in the country, our man from the University of Memphis football team, Morris Joseph Jr. But before we get to Morris, Randy, I got to ask you, man, you got your ear to the ground. There was a big Friday night football game in Memphis, man. I know you got some some details. Give it to me, man. It was just so good to have fans back in Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium, man. Friday night stripes. We're just getting ever so close to normalcy. And I know the guys had to ha- just love being out there, hit, cracking some pads and getting on the field again. Absolutely. I heard nothing but good things. It was nice to have some tailgaters. It was nice to have some fans. And, you know, it really sets the excitement and the tone for the upcoming season. Jim, I didn't forget about you, man. I know we have a lot of guests and a lot of accolades to give out. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about those? Yeah, I want to start with this past week, man. Doug Nikhazy. Man, National Player of the Week. Absolutely shut it down against Mississippi State in Starkville. So, shout out to Doug. And, man, about 10 minutes ago, Johnny Teeler and the Kentucky Wildcats just booked their ticket to the National Championship game. So, shout out to both of them. And And she's coming back. Yeah, she's coming back. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if our boy Cameron James, you know, is not as big of an accolade as – national player of the week but he did get newcomer of the week in the sec so shout out to him as well and see you come on the podcast and you do big things so you know let's let's not get get twisted man like this is where it's at for all those people out there listening if you want to get noticed come on the show and we'll get you noticed Speaking of noticing, guys, let's get right to it. Let's bring on to the show with the biggest interview on podcasting this week, our man, defensive lineman from the University of Memphis, Morris Joseph, Jr. All right, Morris, man, how we doing tonight? Man, I'm blessed. How about yourself? Man, we are doing great. We are excited to have you. We've been talking a lot of baseball. It's it's time to talk some football. It's time to get in the 901, so we're pretty excited. Uh, but before we get into all that, man, we need to know where you're from. I'm from Orange, Texas, uh, 409, Texas, uh, right on the Texas-Louisiana border. Um, so, Who, Who's more famous from that area? You or Chad Dallas? Man, cheese. I got to roll with cheese. It's baseball <laughs> season and he popping, man. I heard that. All right, well, talk to me about family, man. What What's family dynamics like? You got siblings? You know, what's up? Yeah, I'm the baby of the family. Uh, I have two older sisters and an older brother and then me. So I'm the baby of the family, my intermediate family. So, Are any of them athletes? Yeah, my older brother, he was a basketball star at my school. And uh, my sisters ran track. All right, and did you get it? Did y'all get that uh, athletic genes from from your parents? Where'd those come from? Man, both ways, man. Both both ways. Uh, 
my dad, he was an athlete. He he did basically everything in high school. He, he's a big athlete uh, in his hometown of Vin, Louisiana. Um, and my mom, she was a uh, she basically played every sport at my high school. Uh, she was a track star and she played volleyball. She went on to play volleyball at Wally College also. All right. And so did you only play football growing up or did you play other sports also? And basketball was actually my first love. Uh, I grew up on the court every day. Uh, I actually grew up playing basketball in Port Arthur, Texas when I was young. Uh, my dad he used to drive me there every day because it, it was a lot of more competition over there for basketball and uh guys was guys was balling over there so they used to try to get me involved early over there all right so since basketball was your first love and you said your brother played basketball man y'all go at each other a lot man i'm gonna be honest man he he the real reason why why uh i had to switch lanes and get over here in this football um <laughs> <laughs> i had a lot of high expectations to try to live up and fill them shoes so um with Earl Thomas being my first cousin, uh, it kind of inspired me that I could really make it uh, in football, you know, and, you know, I just rolled with it. So he's got you in basketball. You, you know, you do football. You, there's a lot of track in your family. One of the things we like to ask when there's a family with a lot of athletes, man, I want you to keep it real with me. If I was to ask you who was the best athlete in the family, who is it? <laughs> man. That's that's a hard one. I come from a family full of athletes, and uh, and we have this argument all the time. So hopefully, hopefully in years to come, I can prove that I am. You know, <laughs> the safe answer would have been mom. That's what you should have said. Then then you you good at, at home. That that one would have been that one would have been safe. Although I hear the stories, I wasn't able to watch them myself. So <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, you know, I know about. Earl Thomas being, you know, family, but other than somebody like that or your older brother or your parents, man, who was a who was an athlete growing up that you watched and inspired you to to be a better player on the field? Um, honestly, it would be Earl. Um, like whenever he would come back home in the offseason, uh, he always picked me up, me and my cousin up from middle school, and he trained us early, like he trained us early and also his uh, younger brother set. Um, he was basically my trainer in high school. Um, I would leave from working out at the high school and I'll be tired and set to be like, Hey, what you doing? Where you at? He already know what I had to do that day. But um, if we had a leg day, he'll make me go do an upper body workout. If we had a upper body workout, I'll go do another leg day. So, I mean, my projects wouldn't let me say no to a workout. So, I'll say that's one more person that uh, helped me accountable when I was able to go watch all his games too when I was young. So, yeah, no doubt. Is there a player in the league right now that you watch that you try to study and try to try to emulate your game like? Um, Aaron Donald for sure. Um, just the just the impact that he have on the game is just tremendous. Uh, you know, D lineman was always bigger guys in the lead, and I feel like Aaron Donald he sparked a new wave. Uh, he made it. He made it. I feel like he uh, created a lane for guys like myself. Um, I'm not the typical 6'5", 300-pound uh, hole plug guy. So, No, you got some of that speed on you, though. So you talked about, you know, where you're from in Texas. But for those that don't know, where would you go to high school at? Um, I went to West Orange Stark High School. Um, we're the most winningest high school in the state of Texas. So 
I take a lot of pride in that. Well, you have to, man, because like you know, we've all we we've all know it. We're from Tennessee, but obviously, you know, living in Memphis, high school football, there's a lot of talent, but it's not like Texas, where it seems like you know the stadiums. You might have more people at a high school game than you got at some college games these days, man. So, what was that like playing in front of all those fans in high school? Um, it was real exciting. Um, one thing about Texas high school football, um, we we are basically, you know, we're the people that give our community hope. Um, no matter what people do, they're going to be at the game supporting us, rooting us on. And, I mean, uh, in my city, Orange, Texas, uh, high school football, we like the local celebrities in the city. So, I mean, it's a really big deal. Yeah, no doubt. So, you, you mentioned Earl Thomas being your cousin, but talk. I'm sure, did he go to the same high school? Talk about some notable alumni from the high school other than yourself. Yeah, um, a couple guys that's doing it right now, at the at the level at the uh, college level is uh Trey Baldwin at Louisiana Tech, he's playing out uh pretty good right now. Um Earl Thomas, you have uh Deontay Thompson, you also have uh, a guy like Jerry Morris. He's at Texas State right now, lockdown corner. Um, we got we got some guys on the baseball field right now. We got Jack and Chad. They cheese. They they going crazy right now. Yeah, um, go cheese. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, growing up with all those guys um, is a is a really a uh, big deal because we all compete and just our mentality. I feel that's why everyone is excelling right now. Now, hold up now. You and Cheese obviously got a little relationship, but now it's a little interstate rivalry now. You're both from Texas, but, you know, you over here, with, you know, Memphis is a state all in itself. I'm sure you can realize that now. Then you got East Tennessee. I mean, it's kind of what y'all ever talk trash talk each other. Not really, um, not really, because I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, whenever Cheese playing, I'm a Cheese fan, so I want to see Cheese do good. And whenever I'm playing, I know it's the same. So, so we can put that aside a little bit for that. But I would love to play Tennessee, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I, hey, I think we need to have that be a, a yearly thing in every sport: basketball, baseball, football, the whole thing, because it's good for both parties. And uh, I hope it comes back. And that's a great rivalry to have in the state. Most so me, I got to roll back to something for just one second, Morris. You said that Earl Thomas used to come scoop you up from middle school. What was he rolling up in to scoop you? Oh, man, his first car when he uh, got in the league, he had a Range Rover. So that's how he used to pull up on me. Did it have, like, Legion of Boom on the on the, on the license plate? He, it was Area 29. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, hey, I, Jim might have told you this before, but, man, every time we used to talk about that team, Earl Thomas was the one that might not have got the credit he deserved, even though everybody knew how good he was. But it, maybe he was just a little bit, um, I don't know, overlooked because you had Richard Sherman, who's always boisterous, and he's great at what he does. And you had Cam doing his thing. So Earl Thomas, to me, was always the best player in that secondary because he was locking it down and knocking folks' blocks off. I like Cam because I like people getting hurt. <laughs> well, I will say this. Cam – Jim fell in love with Cam when that dude jumped over the whole line to, to – block. he didn't even block the kick, I don't think, but that man jumped over the line and just yeah. flat foot. Bam Bam was definitely a beast now. <laughs> I ain't no doubt about it. So, you talked about you're the winning in uh, high school. So, how many state ships you got? Uh, I believe we have – Four, four or five. Um, we went. We won district like the last eight or nine years, maybe more. Um, I think I only lost maybe. I, I don't remember losing more than three games all all my years through high school. Honestly, 
You know, it's funny. We're like the opposite. We like won three games our whole high school career. Oh, bro. Low, bro. Hey. <laughs> but <laughs> me and Daniel um, played football. Randy didn't. So that's a shot at both of us. That's, yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's false. Uh, we won four. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Give credit where it's due. So um, obviously, you talk states everything in Texas, right? So let's talk about like, you know, you coming up as a freshman. You know, y'all like a freshman team. You playing varsity. What's that look like? Uh, yeah, my freshman year, I was still um, just playing. I was really uh, locked in on. I was still playing basketball. I was still undecided on how serious I was going to take football all the way. Your brother didn't change your mind yet, huh? Nah. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking. Okay, my brother like six six, so I was like, okay, oh, the growth spurt is going to come. I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna crank it up on the court, but uh. <laughs> It yeah, that, yeah, it kept on dragging, dragging them behind a little bit. Well, you ain't no little dude, though, that's for sure. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when did you feel like, what was like your, your coming to light moment in high school football where you felt like, you know what, I can take this to the next level and make something out of this? Uh, I always was a, a confident guy, so that's what made it take me a while to, for it to hit because I was like, hey, man, I can do anything. I feel like I go play soccer or tennis. <laughs> so I was a little bit all over the place. I wasn't locked in yet on what I actually wanted to do. But uh, my sophomore year, I was on varsity. But um, I wasn't really getting an opportunity to play defense yet. Um, my high school, you know, it's kind of a, you have to wait your turn. Uh, we went to the state championship that year. And even though I was ready, I feel uh, on a physical standpoint, just mentally, uh, I still had some growing to do. So by the time my junior year came along, yeah, it was mine then. It, so it was game time. Yeah. So you won state that year. Let's. So how many state championships did you win while you were there? I won two. Uh, I won my junior and senior year. Uh, we lost my sophomore year. Oh man. So all right. Yeah, we I had those, Oh man, I can't even imagine. It wasn't like that. I seen. I think it was. Man, uh, I don't feel bad. You got two. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. get greedy. Yeah, DB's like, I just would have wished we'd have made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, uh, losing in a fashion that we did my sophomore year and watching some of the guys that was my big brothers on the team, like, like obviously, Deontay Thompson was a big deal in Texas uh, before he went on to Alabama. And I watched him basically carry us to that game. And he played, he played with his heart and soul. And obviously, we had a lot of guys besides him. But anytime a play needed to be made, he made it, and uh, I just I just saw the disappointment on their face whenever we didn't win it, and that was enough to fuel me to not want to feel that. And I'm pretty sure all of my teammates as well. So you had to give that to Deontay, tell him you ain't losing no more, and then you didn't see. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's what's up, man. So out of the two that you you won your junior and senior year, which one was your favorite? Man, uh, my junior year, it was pretty cool. Uh, because, you know, it was the first time we had won in a long time. So we kind of did that for the city. And my senior year was different, though, because my class, we had been playing together our whole life, and we straight out dominated. Um, I believe we gave up 67 points throughout the entire season. Uh, it took like six weeks for us to even get scored on, and we had a safety. And y'all was pissed when that happened, didn't you? Yeah, we, we got scored on. Uh, <laughs> we had got a safety. We got a safety in the end zone, and that was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. So the safety actually was my fault. Oh, you? I'm glad you brought that up. I, that's what I was kind of who had to own it. But I, I see, I see accountability. I like it. 
Yeah. So, so you, you named a lot of guys you played with, obviously big names. You know, Deontay Thompson's a huge name. Who was the best player that you played against in high school? Man, uh, that's a tight three. That's a tight three that always uh, coming come to my head. Um, I would um, I would have to say it would either be J.K. Dobbins, C.D. Lamb, or – or Jordan Whittington. Okay. So junior year, I'm sure that, you know, obviously colleges start calling to talk about what was that transition like? Now you're saying you're, you're locked in mentally, you're locked in, you're on the way to win state championship, a lot of distractions, I'm sure as you're getting recruited. So just talk a little bit about how that recruiting started and what that looked like. Um, honestly, uh, my recruitment, uh, it really started to jump uh, whenever I went to the rivals. I went to the Rivals camp in New Orleans and um, I won the line MVP there. Um, honestly, coming from my city, we have produced, like if you notice all the other guys that I named, they was all DBs and skill positions. So yeah. my city have put a lot of uh, skill position guys out um, every year, year in, year out. So I didn't grow up doing D line drills or offensive line drills. I grew up working out with straight DB. So uh, I think that's the reason why I have such good feet and uh, and some and hips and things like that. So honestly, I'll, I'm the first. Also, crossing folks over on the basketball court too. So don't don't let folks don't let Man. folks that now. Yeah, for sure, most definitely. The recruiting process. We'll start from there. So just talk about what it was like. For, who was the first school? that really showed interest that, you know, you felt the love from? Um, UTSA. Uh, that's ultimately how I ended up uh, signing there. Um, after, honestly, after, I, um, before I even attended the Rivals camp, UTSA was uh, already on me. Uh, Coach Eric Henderson, he had already identified me. Uh, and he was already on me pretty heavy. And after I went there, I won a defensive line MVP, which was bizarre because no D lineman made it out of where I'm from. And I didn't really know no D line moves. I was just being an athlete and I was just probably running receiver routes at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> but uh, I won a defensive line MVP. And after that, um, my recruitment started to go crazy. Every coach started to follow me. And that's kind of whenever it picked up a little bit. Okay, so you, you after you win that state, and that first state championship your junior year, did it pick up even more going into your senior year? A lot of other schools showing you love. When did you commit to UTSA? Um, I committed to UTSA about mid-season. Oh, your junior year or senior year? My senior year. Okay. Okay, so you felt the love there. First one that kind of showed you love. Who were some other schools that were reaching out that made you kind of pause a little bit and think about it? Um, a lot. A lot. Uh, I only took uh, three officials, though, because I had pushed – UTSA only wanted me to take their official, and I knew that that's likely where I was going to end up going. So I wasn't really – didn't really have wondering eyes like that. But um, I still – after I took the first official visit, I was like, whoa, I'm missing out. Official visit's cool. <laughs> so the next two weekends, I official to Colorado, and then the next week I official to Houston. 
But I end up sticking out with UTSA. Okay, so Houston was Kevin Sumlin still at Houston when you there when you when you got recruited? No, uh, they was actually recruiting me also. He was at A and M by the end. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, okay. So all the Texas schools showing you love. In state guy, you got to. I mean, you got to show them some love back. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of them uh, came on pretty late. Oh, you like it's too late. Yeah, I popped up in the recruiting scene late. It's like they say, now I'm hot, they all on me. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you win you, you win another one your senior year. So walk us through what that senior year was like and just what you felt down. Another thing, too, that you go – like you talked about Earl Thomas kind of being involved in the high school. Do you go back and show the young guys love now at, at your high school? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, right now uh, they're rolling. Um, ever since ever since me, uh, it's a lot of defensive linemen and offensive linemen coming out of my school now. <laughs> so See, you started uh, a trend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my little cousin right now, uh, Demetrius Hunter, he's committed to Oklahoma right now. He's the number one center in his class, so he'll be graduating. This will be his senior year right here. Okay, okay. I'm gonna. Hey, right, DB, it's all you. All right, Morris, man. So I, I got a, I got a couple questions. I got to fill in the gaps. All right. So what I do know is, is Coach Norvell. He he pulled you from from JUCO before you got to Memphis. You were at I. You were in Iowa at a community college, but you, you're saying that you signed with UTSA. So what happens from the moment you sign at UTSA, which inevitably you end up at, at Iowa Western? Okay, so um, I was dealing with my case prior prior to me uh, signing to UTSA. <clears throat> so um, UTSA, uh, they had all the facts on everything. And they still wanted to, they still wanted to uh, take me into campus, you know. So they was willing to do whatever, and they fought for me to get into to get enrolled into school still. So I showed up there in that summer, and they told me I would be able to play as long as I didn't get indicted. So I, I went, I played in my first game. I did pretty well my true freshman year, and after that week, I received an indictment, so I couldn't play anymore. So that was ultimately the reason why I chose them over my other options. But um, so basically, I just basically rolled out the spring. I couldn't play for the rest of the rest of the rest of the rest of that season, and I rolled it out through the spring. And they were still just waiting on the case to be dismissed. And I was honestly, I was the starter in the, that spring. But whenever the spring game came, my case still wasn't over, and they had me with the threes basically. And I was like, dang, like. You know, like if this case having this much of a factor over me, I'm like, hey, if my lawyer was telling me like he know it'll be over with within the next six months, regardless, I'm like, okay, cool. It might be my best bet just to go JUCO and be re-recruited. But um, honestly, it extended through there too. And uh, Memphis ended up, Coach Norvell, he he didn't really care. Uh, a lot of schools said they didn't really care. They was going to ride it out with me. But um a lot of schools was just like, hey, we got your court dates circled. Like, we just waiting. We just waiting on this thing to get dismissed. And it just kept dragging out and dragging out. And Coach Norvell, he was really all in with me. So, I mean, I just felt like this was my best option to come here. So, so do you – how does that work? So, does he contact you? Do you contact Memphis? Like, how do you – how do they know about you? Um. They know about me from uh from my junior college. Um, 
I, I went. I was at Iowa Western, so we're we're a prominent uh, junior college. A lot of uh, recruits come out of there every year. A lot of big time recruits. Um, so I had a pretty good year there, and my film uh, it showed I was very versatile. I played stand up in there. I played in the inside. So was there was there any communication on? Oh, we like you. We want to see more, or. Did- did Coach Norvell say, hey, you're the dude, like, sign your name? Honestly, um, when Coach Norvell found out about me, um, they honestly uh, reached out. And once they reached out, um, I was in Atlanta at the time at my aunt's. So I was there training. Um, once they reached out, they was like, hey, we we, we interested. It might be an opportunity we want. So I came down. I did an unofficial. And once I did unofficial and I met Coach Norvell and I saw and I saw everything in the direction that the program was headed, I wanted to be a part of it. So So when you come down and in, in, in what's the turning point where you say that's the place that I'm going? Was it any one thing, any one person, or just a culture and an atmosphere where you're like, I want to be a part of that? It was most definitely uh Coach Norvell. Um, me being a Texas kid, uh, Norvell was a Texas guy. Um, he coached hard. He's going to hold you accountable. And, you know, that's just what I was used to. So I just felt like it was the best fit for me. So prior to that season, you're, you're, you, you signed, you're ready to go. What Did you have any clue that that was going to be a magical season for you? Um. Or at least honestly, for the for the program in general, like honestly, yes. Um, I mean, I feel like God God has His way of uh, bringing things about. Um, I was honestly at home trying to uh, fight my legal issues the whole year, and I actually showed up at the end of fall camp, maybe six days before the Ole Miss game, and I still was able to play. So I'm just thankful for uh, that coaching staff. Uh, they stayed true to their words, and that's the reason why I ended up choosing Memphis. They had other schools that still wanted to take me out of junior college while I was dealing with my uh, legal situations. They just wanted me to wait, and I was honestly, I was honestly battling. I was battling between waiting it out and fighting for my name all the way, but then again, I didn't want to miss another year of football. So I was like, "Hey, man, I just I, I'll take misdemeanor and." go play ball. So that's ultimately what I end up doing by coming here. Well, it, it seems like that was the right choice because, I mean, you guys were able to, to run off a year where, I mean, you set lots of records. You had some standout athletes. You had a phenomenal season. You guys got to host game day. You got to go to the Cotton Bowl. Talk me through some of the, the, the highlights of that year and, and, and tell me what was what was it like walking down Beale Street knowing that that place was about to get jumping and you guys are about to play for something really, really big? Um, honestly, the best thing I can say about that year is the memories. Um, you know, playing with all those guys in the locker room, um, it was a it was a different team chemistry that year because um Everybody was playing for one another. Um, none of us were selfish. We was really playing for one another, and we was happy. We was happy for our brother whenever they did something good. And and we was loaded. We were stacked. 
and I felt like we had a lot of weapons offensively and defensively. So uh, that was a pretty good thing. And everybody loved the game and was willing to go out there and fight for one another. So that was different. Yeah, it was as a fan and just, just growing up around the program and watching the program and, and just, you know, love loving and, and, you know, bleeding blue is, is, is what people say. You know, I, I can't thank you enough. Like my, my daughter jumps around on the couch, does the tiger spell out and, and goes crazy. Anytime she, she sees Memphis on and, and, it's because of that season and what you guys are able to accomplish, being able to see you on TV every week. Um, it was awesome. So if I get a chance to thank anybody that, that I can, I need to do that. So thank you hey, for that. Real quick. Hey, we talked about this earlier. This isn't about me, but working at the Liberty Bowl for 21 seasons, man, we've seen ups and we've seen downs. Never, ever, ever, ever have I seen or been a part of an atmosphere in the Liberty Bowl that was like it was on game – that game day, that SMU, that whole thing was lit. I mean, so to echo DB sentiment, man, appreciate everything that team put in, man. But, the, man, that was the craziest game, the craziest day. The city was on fire. Yeah, for sure, man. It was crazy. Uh, man, like that day was definitely a blur. <laughs> it was a blur for me for sure. It went by pretty fast. Yeah, so, so we, you know, we, we talk about that season. We had no idea what what was to come of the next season, but in, in retrospect, like it had to be last season. Probably had to be the toughest season to just navigate as a as a player, as a coach, as a fan. Like all all the stakeholders involved with the program had a very tough time. Like what were some of the highlights? Because a lot of times we don't get the highlights. We just get, man, it was a tough time for everybody. But what were some positives that came out of last season? Um, I think some of the positives was that we gelled together and we fought because um, it was a weird year for everyone throughout the country. Well, not even throughout the country. It wasn't just America thing throughout the world. Um, COVID was, you know, unexpected. Uh, nobody could have predicted it to appear um so honestly it was hard on everyone uh we we, uh, we was together all the time like it was literally like like i don't know even how to describe it in words a lot of the joys that we was able to have in a regular year a normal year um was really taken away like we was just we was just having to play for one another so that's what i'll say uh was the best part about last season we really had to play for each other. Absolutely. And I know yeah, as a new coach, you know, obviously Coach Silverfield had a had a chance to coach in the Cotton Bowl, but last season being his first season, I'm sure there were some ups and downs and, and some learning curves that come with being a, a brand new head coach. But I'm sure it wasn't the season that he had hoped, but I think with that, I think it stretched everybody and, and showed them really what they were made of. Um, I, I, I do have to ask you though, we had some opt-outs, you know, that season were the opt-outs a huge factor. Cause I mean, I know we, we all know who the players were, we all know the, the impact that they had, but do those players not playing, do those, do they make a huge difference in the outcome of the season? 
Um, oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, we didn't just lose, you know, the average guy. We lost guys that was the best in the country at what they do. So, for sure. So, that brings us now up to, you know, we're not going to harp too much on last season, obviously. Um, it, it came and gone. We were lucky to, to get some games in. There was a, a span of weeks where you guys, you know, had to – not play and you know you still you still battled you still fought and and for all accounts it was a successful season but um with that bitterness and and that not ending obviously the way that you wanted to what is the fuel what is the expectations moving into this season um the expectations is is you know back to the norm here um we we expect to win Every game that we have on the schedule, uh, we expect to compete and we expect to put on for Memphis. You know, uh, me living here in Memphis, I've been able to adapt to the culture here pretty quickly. And it's something that everybody that's a competitor and a winner will want to be a part of. And um, I feel like that's just the culture here. Uh, we're going to go anywhere and we're going to play together and we're going to win. And we're not going to let nobody come into the Liberty Bowl and beat us. So. I feel like that's the standard here. And um, it's just our job to uphold it. So I don't feel there's really much much need for us to uh, do too much talking about it. I feel that it's important for us to have our actions, you know, show that the season. So, Hey, talk is great, but but being able to walk that walk is even better. Um, so you guys had a big, you know, this past weekend, you had a big weekend. Um, you know, for the first time we had what I felt like was a spring game with like some stakes, with some emotion, with some fire. Um, the city was able to be a part of it. It was on a Friday night, you know, and a lot of the teams over in the country, they do theirs on a Saturday afternoon. Yep. It was just a different feel. Talk to us about what the fall or what that spring game was like and and some of the, the things that you saw from the team that you like, some of the things that you guys are working on? Um, just like with uh, any team, um, it's still a lot of uh, work to be done. Um, also for myself, you know, it's still a lot of uh, things to work on. So I feel um, no matter who you are, there's going to always be more things to work on than not. But uh, I feel that our team uh, showed a lot of great great tra traits that uh we we have a team full of competitors and um i feel that's important for any team uh, when you're trying to make a run and you have the expectations that we have so yeah i had some some friends that that were able to tailgate and able to go to the game and they said man the feel and the atmosphere is phenomenal and like it was the capacity wasn't maxed out it was there's going to be a level of excitement to get people back in that stadium. Yep. So I can't wait. September 4th, Nickel State, like they're coming in and, and I, I, I just, I feel bad for them, man. I really do. Cause it, they're gonna, they're not going to know what hit them. So, I mean, I know you guys are looking forward to that, but from now, from the end of this spring game up until that, that, I guess, what you call fall camp or, you know, leading up to, to that first game, what's going on with, with Morris Joseph Jr.? Like, what are you doing? Are you working out? Are you going back home? Are you doing summer school? Like, what, what's the plan? Um, 
Right now, I'm still uh, rehabbing my uh, rotator cuff. Um, I got surgery right after the season. I basically played this whole season uh, with my rotator cuff torn. So uh, I'm happy to be able to get that fixed. And uh, everything's going pretty well with my rehab. And I'm taking summer classes still uh, just to give me an easier load during the season. Um, I have a, a few more classes left for graduation. So I have a lighter load during the season. And uh, I just want to be all locked in, you know, and give my all this upcoming season. All I want to know is when you're going to meet me in the weight room, because, you know, <clears throat> I heard you was pretty good at squats, but I heard I could I could take you on the bench. That's that's the rumor on the street. Oh, man. Uh, let me get the shoulder back right. And, I, and I, won't, <laughs> I won't run from no competition. All right. Hey, you're a lot you're a lot bigger than me, man. But hey, I'm going to bring it. But you can have the squats. I don't want nothing to do with that. We'll do, we'll do bench and. And uh, if you want to do deadlifts, Dan Daniel's all about that life. He'll he'll give you that he'll give you that work. I I've told you the story before before, before the uh, episode. This man works out in the middle of the street of his neighborhood. Got the plates all laid out so everybody can turn the corner and see this man just throwing it around. It's all it's all planned out. That's right. Hey, like I said before, I don't knock it, man. That's dedication. Hey, I I live by the Under Armour mantra. I must protect this house. <laughs> All right. So you ready, Morris? We're going to play a game called This or That, and it's pretty simple. I give you two options. You pick one or the other, and you can't say neither, and you can't say both. Okay. All right. So first one, you're bringing family in town. Memphis is known a lot for their food. Are you bringing them for wings, or are you bringing them for barbecue? Man, man, man. Wings. All right, where are you taking them? I gotta know what's the, what's the number one spot for you. I love kings. All right. Next question: Uniforms, Memphis, blue or gray? Gray. All right, black or white? The black ones. All right, so they now. Go hard. Yeah, they all go hard. That, that's the thing. So now, gray or black? Black. With them chrome helmets? Yeah, for sure. Or the uh, black with the uh With that with tiger stripe? Oh, no, that, that's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, Memphis, Memphis is definitely holding it down in the uniform department. There ain't no doubt about that. Yeah, man. We got a lot of obstacles. That's why it'd be hard for me to uh, pick whenever you ask me that question. I hear you. All right. Well, here, here comes the, the toughest question of the night for you. All right. We talked about where you're from. We talked about your boys. Better athlete, Jack Dallas, Chad Dallas. Ooh. Oh, man. Hey, I'm about to get a disqualification in the game. Um, both. <laughs> nope. Nope. We went through this before. I need, I need you to tell me. And I told them that I was going to ask you, and they want an answer. What's the penalty? I can't get a disqualification. Man, oh. I'll cut I'll cut this whole episode. I'm going cheese. Give me cheese. Man. Did, did you tell me Jack was your quarterback? Jack was our quarterback and he dominated the high school level for sure. All right, give me one. I'm not that, we, that's hey, his not, that's his answer. Yeah. He's going no. Jack. He, I'm no. texting cheese right now. Cheese dominating right now at the college level. 
both of them dominating. So that's why I said both of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, should I let it slide, hey, Should geez. I let it slide, Randy? Hey, cheese. Uh, hey, cheese. I love you, little bro. But I'm riding with JD. I told you. I told you. I told you he was picking Jack. I told you. That was my quarterback. Cheese, no, that was our quarterback team. You just have a little TO moment. That's my quarterback. <laughs> yeah, All right. for sure. All right, so I wanted to use uh, an old-school defensive tackle. He's not old-old, but, you know, a little, a little bit further back. And then you mentioned Aaron Donald. Who would you rather emulate your game more like and be MB, Warren Sapp or Aaron Donald? All right. Now now, you, now you're getting a little uh, crazy with this one because I feel that um, Aaron Donald watched a lot of Warren Sapp game, and he mocked his game off of him a lot. So, I mean, that, cra- that question kind of uh, hard – for me to answer. So, of course, I want to emulate my game after. Do you just want to say Mean Joe Green? Mean Joe Green, um, I've been watching his film since I was a young kid. Um, As I got older, you know, Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp, uh, he's a name that pop out a lot. So, uh, I started to uh, do more research into him. And, uh, yeah, he was dominant. Oh, my God. Even watching his film at Miami. Went up, yeah. And then with the, in the lead with Tampa. Yeah, he, he dominated, so. All right, well, I'm really going to mess you up with this one because we had a conversation, and I've switched some things around. All right, you got to keep one, bench one, and cut one. LeBron, Kobe, and Shaq. Oh, my God. And all their proms. Yes. Man, that's crazy. Shaq was different in his prom. His prom and <laughs> was one hey. This or that is not meant to be easy. The same for the faint of heart, Morris. We we here for the for the real deal. No games. Man, man. You know me. I love people that love the game. So I'm never benching LeBron. <laughs> First off, never. Um, are you about to bench Kobe? Are you? I think he is. Oh, boy. I'm benching Kobe. I'm cutting Shaq. Oh, oh man. Shaq going to be at your house tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he going to come at Morris. I don't think that was the right call. LeBron, right. LeBron. Hey, man, Shaq, Shaq was a dog, man. You can't take that from him. All right, we're going gonna, gonna to ask you a, a basketball one. We're going to see if you're my friend or not. <clears throat> Prime, before injuries, Westbrook or Harden? Oh, God. Westbrook for sure. My man, we could end this show right now. I can end hey, on I that. Love, I love the way Harden score, but uh, I just love the mentality of Westbrook. He coming straight at you. He gonna bring it to you. He coming to your door with it. Oh, uh, we got hold on. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let me get on that right now. You in Memphis right now? You going Ja Morant right now or Russell Westbrook? Ja. All right, we can he end. Ha- it he has to answer that. That's anyway. Ja. We can end it now. Anyway. All right, we're going to get to some easy questions. All right, so if you're going to ask a girl on a date, you going to the DMs, you sliding up in there, or are you going face-to-face? Face-to-face with it. All right, and so you ask that date face-to-face, you going to follow up, are you texting or are you calling? I'm calling. So you call guy. Daniel I'm likes mad. that. I'm a, I'm a texter, man, and Randy is definitely a texter. If you call Randy, he is not going to answer, and he'll text oh, you right back. Yeah, or- don't text me, Morris. Morris is gonna be like, I mean, well, you can text well, me. Well, hello, well, hello there. Hey, you got a better chance to get me on Facetime than you do just get me to answer the phone. For real? 
I don't. I just don't like it. I, look, I I gotta do that all day, every day. I don't want to talk no more. Okay, okay, I understand where you're coming from, Dan. All right, so this question is a staple question we ask everybody. Be careful what you answer because Randy's going to be ready to grill you. Friends or money? Friends. Randy? Well, you done bench Kobe. Now you said friends. Let me tell you, let me tell you, Morris. I feel like uh, when you're rich and you're going to be rich, you're going to be like, man, you're going to have a lot of people who are going to try to be your friends, but that money, man. If people that say money don't buy happiness ain't never had no money, bro. I'm going to tell you right now. Give me money all day. I love these dudes, but if they say give me money or stay being friends with Jim and DB, shit, give me the money. You know what You know what I meant to say to follow up with that? Whenever I say friends, I mean real genuine friends. Um, Whenever you got the money and the success, uh, part of the reason that you got there was uh, the real genuine people around you. They held you accountable. Um, I feel like it's going to be important to have those same genuine people around you that's going to hold you accountable when you have the money, you know? You're and right. I like you're right. But I want to know this. I got to know this. Like, everybody's like, oh, man, money doesn't buy happiness. Well, damn, give me the money. Let me find out. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Well, you off the hot seat. Morris, is there anything you want to plug, promote, man? You know, the team, your social media, where to follow you? Um. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BFAMEasy, B-F-A-M-E-A-Z-Y. Um, my Instagram is Morris Joseph Jr. Ten um, M O R R I S J O S E P H Jr. J R. Period ten. Man, Morris, close it out. What's your, what's the necklace say? Oh uh, man, it's just uh, my number. It just say Moezy, and it say number ten and lightning number. So, but see, I, what is that? Right, is that right in front of Mo? Is that a money sign? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Man, I, yeah. I think you missed a golden opportunity for Memphis Ten on your chain. Man, I know, right? I know, right? I'm uh, I'm gonna have to keep that one in mind, though. Man, you gave me that idea if you ever see that one day. There you go. All right, y'all, check them out at BFAM Easy on Twitter at Morris Joseph Junior. Dot the number ten on Instagram. September 4th, Nickel State's coming to Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium. Y'all be there. Don't miss out. Morris, my man, thank you for being on here. If there's anything we can do, man, just reach out to us. All right, thanks for having me, man. Y'all have a blessed one. All right, guys, if you like hearing Average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode five, where we're going to have on West Florida softball player Kelsey Sweat. This has been the In and Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.